Um, my dad was Greek, and so I am of Greek descent. Um, and uh, we we went to go and watch the the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding a number of years ago, uh, which was absolute redemption for us as a family, uh, because for the first time, uh, my wife understood us <laughs> and and all the things that were happening. Um, I I went into ministry after I finished um, uh, after I finished school. I studied theology and then ended up as a youth pastor in Cape Town, which is what you had to do um, as, you know, if you wanted to access ministry. And so for seven years, I, I led a youth ministry, but really I was passionate about worship and music and the arts. And um, a lot of a lot of life and ministry played itself out in that arena. Until seven years into that journey, I got a phone call um, from a man called Alan Platt, um, who is the visionary leader of the Doxter family. At that stage, he was leading a church in Pretoria that had just gone from one site into two sites, and they needed a, a worship leader for their second site. And um, Sheree and I moved to Pretoria, and that was 23 years ago. Um, and we, we came on to staff of, of this family. We, at that stage, we thought God wanted to save Pretoria, and you know, he made Pretoria first, then he, and then he created the rest of the world for us to go and have holiday in. Um, but there was the sense of focus and passion to see the glory of God come to that city, and that's where the name Doxa Deo really came from, the glory of God, Habakkuk 2, um, 14. It says, the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so um, about 10 years into that journey, Sharon and I felt the call um, to come to London um, and we planted, we started off with six people in our living room, uh, which was completely different to what we'd been used to in the South African context. The worship team I led there um, in one of the campuses just before we came here was 120 people. Um, just the worship team. And so we went from that into something completely different. It was a season change for us as a family. It was the time that God prepared for us. Um, and life and ministry has been for us here in, 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 in the southwestern part of London over the last 12 years. And we've seen some incredible things um, happen during the season. We actually recorded a live worship album in this venue um, five years ago called Grace is the Rhythm. Um, and so, you know, it's been... It's it's been incredible to watch your journey to meet Philip and Caroline and, and, and just see what God's busy doing here in this part of his body. Um, and so such a privilege for me to be able to share with you about prayer this morning. Um, uh, last year, uh, I actually took the Lord's Prayer and just decided to allow it to speak to me. And when Philip phoned and said, listen, love for you to come and speak here, but would you speak on prayer? I'm like, yeah, I would. <laughs> um, because it's something that's really a, a, a core part of what I believe God has called us to. You know, the, the, in, in Scripture, we see the disciples going from struggling to pray with Jesus in the Garden of, of Gethsemane, Okay, can you remember that? He calls three of his friends over and says, listen, don't you want to pray with me? And they fall asleep. This is like just before he's being crucified. And he places this demand on them. And, and here they are struggling to, to, to pray. And, and just a few months later, you see the same men and women doing incredible things in prayer. You know, I believe prayer is something that we have the capacity to, to grow in. As a matter of fact, this was the one thing that the disciples asked Jesus. They said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? 
And, and therefore I believe that whilst other things in the kingdom of God we receive, like our righteousness, we, we can't grow in the amount of righteousness we receive because it's not our righteousness. It's his righteousness that he imparts to us. We get to outwork that. Um, prayer is different to that. Prayer is something we can grow in. You know, here are these, these men who are falling asleep in the garden to a few months later, they're, they're laying their hands on handkerchiefs and, and they're sending these handkerchiefs out and people are being healed. Come on. You know, these are the, these are the men who, who, whilst preaching, somebody falls out of the window and dies and, and, and they're praying for them and they get raised from the dead. These are the men that walk into the temple gate and there's a guy sitting there asking them for a few, few pennies and, and he's like, you know, we don't really have money, but what we can give you that, you know, we'll give that to you. Um, and here's these, these people who, who, who are arrested for preaching the name of Jesus in the marketplace and, and they get thrown into jail and they get beaten and they come out of the jail and they go back and if you read in Acts just the first few chapters that the congregation gathers and I'm absolutely gobsmacked by the prayers that they pray they're like Lord thank you give us boldness to pray your name uh, to to preach your name even stronger I'm like I can just imagine our trustees in that meeting they're like Yanni can you just tone down the rhetoric about Jesus a little you know you were in jail last week I mean we you, you just let's just you know think about how we do this and they're like, no, Jesus, give us more boldness. <laughs> you know, give us greater faith. Here's these men who fell asleep in the garden who are now praying a different style of prayer. I, I do find it fascinating that, that these guys go to Jesus and say, you know, would you teach us to pray? They didn't ask. There were some other really cool things I thought they could have asked, you know, like teach us how to walk on water. I, I, I would have liked, liked that, you know, or how about the water into wine one? That, that would have been cool. Party trick coming up, you know. Um, and, and yet these are not the things that they're asking Jesus. They're asking him, would you teach us to pray? I love that. I don't know when was the last time you read the Lord's Prayer or perhaps even prayed it. Can we do that this morning? I've got it on the screen for you. So yeah, just... By way of introduction, the, the, the line leading into this, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Okay, If you wanted a prayer, a sermon on prayer, there's one for you. We can go home now. This is Jesus talking. Your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, I like the word manner, okay? And I can talk about the Greek language because I, I had to go to Greek school on Tuesday afternoons. Or Nikos Echi Enakadziki, okay? <laughs> we had to do it. We had to read and write Greek. So I, I went off to, to study theology and I, they put me in Greek class and I'm like, yay, come on. <laughs> but here's the thing in this manner, in this pattern, the Greek word says, in the, this pattern. Jesus isn't, isn't giving us, you know, a formula. This isn't like, you know, you just breathe in the right spaces and use the right, you know, tone of voice. That's not what he's saying. He says, I'm giving you a pattern. There's, there's something here that I want you to access. In this pattern, therefore, pray. Can we pray this together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, the minute we start speaking about prayer, um, 
it introduces frustration and confusion because of unanswered prayer. Prayer doesn't bring frustration when we sense God is always answering the prayers. Prayer brings frustration when we pray and he doesn't answer the way we thought he should. We feel abandoned, isolated. We question God's character and integrity. We question our own character and integrity. <laughs> you know, we, we, we feel as if our lives are unsettled, unstable, and we come to premature conclusions about ourselves and our prayers. The fact is, when we, when we live out of that frustration... We, we, we start asking ourselves a question, you know, what is it worth me praying? You know, why should I be praying? What, what, what you know, why, what would, I, what would I gain by praying? Here's the question that you really should be asking is what are we missing out on? Not what would we gain, it's what are we missing out on? Because I believe many Christians today experience powerlessness, lack of direction, little victory over sin, you know, poor spiritual progress, poverty. Unfruitful lives, why? Because we've forgotten to pray. We've not allowed ourselves to access that, 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 that sense of foundation and stability that there is in prayer. Because here's one of the biggest things I'm going to say to you today. And I see a lot of you have your, have your notes open on your, on, your, on your mobile phone or actually a booklet. Here's the biggest thing. Prayer is meant to be answered. A few few months ago, I was busy reading a book on prayer, and, and, and the guy makes the statement in his, in his book, and initially I was so angry by this, I, I, I just left the book. I, I, I put it down for actually a few weeks, because I, I, it felt as if I couldn't be confronted with this reality, that there could be this expectation in my heart that prayer should be answered. Come on. Prayer is meant to be answered. Jesus didn't pray without expecting his Father to answer. Because true prayer really builds intimacy with God. A number of years ago, Dr. Deo started off this venture where we, where we started trusting that the government had just announced the plans for free schools. Now, I don't, I don't know what your, what your thoughts are on free schools. I know I've spoken to people in education that weren't very excited about that. But, but we felt, hey, if the government is giving away money for, for, for community groups to start schools, we want to be on that list. Give us some money. We'll do it. So we did. We started off this journey. We went through round one. We didn't have a premises. They turned our application down. They said, we love your ideas, but come back with a better suggestion on a venue. In year two, we went back, and it was exceptional hard work. We worked very, very hard, a group of seven or eight of us in the church. We went back in year two. We found two venues. We found everything. And at the opening of the very last round of interviews that we were going through, this was the final hurdle. We'd gone through every other hurdle. Somebody in the room decides they're going to ask the big question and 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 the first question out on the table is so are you a creationist group and the more we try to answer that in a way that we knew that we were going to be responsible with our education this was a government funded school we as a church would honor that we would you know we would we would work with us in a way that we'd be honoring towards the, the curriculum that they asked us to teach etc etc we couldn't get past that question and they turned us down again we took the application, we reworked it in the third year. We went back again. 
We found better venues. The application was better. We brought alongside partners who were really invested in this. Educational people who weren't even Christians. They were standing alongside us to make sure that we had the best educational programs that we could offer for them in Rains Park. We went back on the third round. The first question out of the table is, are you a creationist group? We couldn't cross that hurdle, and for the third time they turned us down. Prayers not answered. I cannot tell you. Eventually we came to a place where we realized we're either going to have a school and no church, or we're going to have a church but no school. And it was a tough decision for us to make, and we felt we were praying, and God was not answering this prayer in the way that th- we thought he had called us to do this. I used to end off the school story. So, you know, in year four, we found a partner in Chapel Street, the Salvation Army, um, arm of people that opened schools. They took our application, copy and pasted it into their format, submitted it, and in year four, the school was approved. We realized that we were the stumbling block. They couldn't look past the church. Nobody wanted to wake up one morning, and, and the front page of the Sun newspaper says, you know, creationist group in Rains Park uses government funding to indoctrinate children. God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way that we thought he should. This leaves us with a challenge, but here's what you have to settle in your heart. God answers prayer. As a matter of fact, the very first prayer ever recorded in Scripture was God speaking himself, saying, let there be light. A few verses later. God engages this discussion with himself, this divine conversation, okay? If you want to know what prayer is, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, one of the most fascinating verses, and I'd love to read this to you. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and the birds and the air and the cattle and the earth and every creeping thing that creeps up on the earth. Can I just quickly focus your attention on these two little phrases? Let us make and let them have. I cannot tell you when that dropped into my spirit, something happened on the inside of me. And I want to I want to press it on your heart this morning that you recognize that God said, let us make. Often we try and make the things. But God said, let me do what is my responsibility and let you have what is your privilege, dominion. Come on. God has prepared these things. And often prayer is our way of stepping into that arena and saying, thank you, Lord. We receive this because we have the dominion of God. Not like a magic wand that we, you know, wave around and and hope things work out in our favor in the way that we thought that they should. But we access this very dominion of God where he said, let me do what I can, I can make. And let you do what you can, you can have. (laughs) Come on. There's something that's birthed in that because God has given legal dominion to a spirit being. Okay. Remember that you're not, you're not flesh first. You are spirit word being first. Often we think, we think that we are natural human beings looking for spiritual experiences. It's actually exactly the opposite. Okay. We are spirit word beings enjoying a natural experience. We are spirit word beings walking the earth. And that's why God gave mankind the freedom to function in this legal authority. When the spirit dominion of God finds experience, within a human being and that human being receives that dominion it starts speaking it out and that we call 
prayer. Come on. That's what we call prayer. That's, that, that's, that's the sense of, of, of authority that is released in our lives. We have four boys. Uh, one is studying electronical engineering at, at Southampton University. But after we had Malin, we thought that we would have more children and we, you know, our journeys, we, we, we tried for more children and we just couldn't fall pregnant. Year one passed, year two passed. After the year two, we decided let's go and have some medical tests done. They came back and said, well, we're not quite sure how you got the first one based on the test results. We're not really sure that there will be others. We could do medically assisted processes, but it will cost you a lot of money. And somehow, Sharon and I started this journey. There was one year in our lives where every single week, I kid you not, 52 weeks in a row, somebody would give us a word or a scripture or, a, you know, they had a dream or something, something would happen. You know, we got to this place somewhere, in, you know, about, about halfway through the year, we, we'd, we'd go to church on Sunday and um, go to the celebration because we are the church. We can't go to church. We, we, we'd go to the celebrations on Sunday and, and, and we'd, we'd sort of like be at the service and then morning there'd be two services and the evening would be two services. And, and by the end of the second service, Shira and I would look at each other and we're like, oh, this is the week. It's not going to happen this week. Thank God it's not going to happen. And we're like about to get in the car and somebody comes running along. Hey, 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 I had a dream last night about you guys. You had more children. We got to a point where we're like, Thanks, thank you, God, for this. But can you please stop talking and do something about it? One of, our, one of, one of my most vivid images of prayer was we moved to the U.K., we still only had Malin. He was six years old at that stage. We went off to Bath to kind of have a little bit of a look around in the area. As we in Bath, we go to the cathedral. And at one stage, I, I start looking for Malin, and he's gone. I don't know where he is. And, and so right at the back of, the, of the, the, this massive cathedral in Bath, here we find him where they're lighting the candles. And he'd write, written a little, little letter in his broken handwriting saying, Dear God, please can I have a brother? I think he wrote, and a sister. I'm very good. <laughs> Any case. <laughs> and, and, and here I'm thinking, I'd given up praying. I'd given up on this. You know, I, I didn't want to hear this anymore. I didn't know how to work with this anymore. And can I tell you, these are the things that shape the way we think about prayer. This is our story. But the stories are sitting in front of me here today. The things that you've prayed about, and, and perhaps it's not worked out in the way you should have. You know, the, the, the things that, that, that happened, in, and you just couldn't figure the answers out for this. And two years later, two years after Malin had written that letter, the, our second little boy was conceived and then the third little one and we thought that was finished and then there was a fourth one but how do these moments shape our prayer life four years ago my dad and my mom are visiting us from South Africa and Sheree you know recognizes my dad's not oh something's not right he's very thin and 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 she makes an appointment with him Epsom Hospital and they go off and late the afternoon I, I was at the swimming with the boys and, and Sheree phones me and she says listen this is a challenge they found spots on your dad's pancreas I can remember coming home that afternoon and my dad 
who's loved Jesus. He came to know Jesus when I was four years old in a very radical way. He'd loved the Lord all his life. And, and here he was in, our, in my study and, and he fell down on his knees and said, would you please pray with me? And we prayed with him and four months later we buried him. How do you figure? How do you figure? I love the way Jesus introduces prayer. It is in this manner, pray. And I want to focus just on these opening lines of this prayer. I don't have time to focus on the whole prayer. I just want to focus on the opening line. It says, our Father. Our. <laughs> prayer is a plural experience. It's not singular in expression. You could say, you know, they asked him, you know, they asked him, would you teach us to pray? And then he answers, our Father. But I don't think that was, that was what Jesus was doing. It's not consistent with the rest of the New Testament. If you look at the rest of the New Testament, everything that the rest of the New Testament does, does it in plural form. You know, there's something about the plurality of this moment. There's, there's something about the fact that Jesus reminds us that we were born into a family. Listen to what Ephesians says. Paul writes, the apostle writes to the, 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 the church in Ephesians, he says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. Come on, you're part of a family. You're not doing this alone. There's, there's too much, you know, lone, lone ranger Christianity in the day and age that we live in. Tumbleweed. You know, I'm going to do it on my own. You cannot. That's not how God designed this. Can I, can I tell you as much as, as, as prayer is an individual experience, there's something of a plurality in that that you need to discover. Our Father. You know, this reminds us that we were born into a family. This takes the me and my and mine out of our prayers. It puts into our prayers the we and our. Come on. You know, if I, if I just quickly measure how many of you this week prayed for, for your job or, or for your health or for your situation, and how many of you prayed for King's Church? Come on. Just, if you just measure that, it brings something of a reality check. Our Father. In Matthew, again, 18, Jesus says, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them. My, by my Father in heaven. Come on. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. There's something of this our experience when we access prayer. The word Father in the Hebrew language is beautiful. It literally means the origin of all things. Origin. If you, if you just start reading about this, people will very quickly tell you that every bondage at its root has a father wound. Every person on earth gets his or her affirmation from a dad. There's something about this in both boys and girls, you know, uh, where men affirm. And can I just say this, and I'm trading on 
on this cautiously because I, I realize the day and age we live in is a, is, a, is a huge move and action against men because of the fact that we want to value women. And, and as much as I find myself in that space, let me tell you, if you watch television programs, um, men in television programs are either the, you know, the action guy, I'm going to pull out the guns, I'm going to you know, shoot everybody, or it's the buffoon. You know, he's the crazy guy. He's always falling over. He's never present. He's never... Just think about men in, in, in television programs or in movies. And, and here's what I want to say to you. Jesus introduces this notion of father because Jesus says, listen, regardless of what you've experienced as fatherhood in your natural life, I want you to understand that your origin far supersedes just your natural birth because there's somebody who steps into this role, into this function of causing you to have and carry identity in a way that, that far supersedes what your natural parents could have established in your life because this elevates you into this place where you now recognize God saying, let us make, come on, and let them have. There's something that you receive because of this. And, and, and there's three things that we learn about the fatherhood of God when we speak about our father. And we have to bring this into perspective when we speak about prayer. You know, God is a caring father. Psalm 103 says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion passion on those who honor him. He is a caring father. He cares about you. Jesus echoed this in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, don't worry, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? Because your heavenly father knows that you need these things. He's caring. He's caring. I know a lot of people whose natural dad was not caring. God says, I am different. The second thing about God as a father is he, that he was consistent. He is consistent. He is the same. James says, every good and perfect gift is from the father who does not change. <laughs> he does not change. Does not change. Here's the third thing about God as our Father. He's competent. He's able. One of the most defining moments for me as a dad was when our eldest son was, he was four. So we're on holiday. We're camping next to the sea. And it's over Christmas and um, in South Africa. So it's hot and sunny. <laughs> See some of the puzzled faces. It's hot and sunny, and we're next to the sea, and we're camping, and we bought him this yellow little bike, his first bicycle. So he gets the bike on you know, Christmas morning, and he's all excited about this, and within a few minutes, just in this caravan park where we are, and all the kids are up in their bikes, and it's crazy, and off goes Malin. Within a few minutes, he's settled, so there he goes. Only to about a half an hour later, I hear the crying. I'm in the tent, and I hear crying, and I recognize, okay, something's wrong. Now, I don't know, has he fallen off the bike or what's happened? But here he comes down the, the pathway, past all the other caravans, dragging this heaviest little yellow bike ever on the planet. I don't know why they make kids' bikes that heavy. Have you ever thought about that? In any case, here he is dragging the thing in the sand behind him. So he's got a puncture. And, and I feel the adrenaline taste rise in my mouth. 
I never fixed a puncture. <laughs> and I know in the next few minutes that little boy is going to pitch up his caravan and he's going to look at me and I have to fix this puncture. And I'm thinking, dear God, how do I do this? When, when he was born the day and we walked out of the hospital, nobody gave me a manual. They didn't say, okay, these are the things that you're going to have to be looking out for. These are the moments that will be defining for you, fixing your son's first puncture. This is a, this is a defining moment. And I felt so incompetent. And you know what I realize? God doesn't know what that feels like. <laughs> he doesn't know what it feels like. He doesn't know what it feels like when I come around the corner full of dust tears streaming down my cheeks, dragging my yellow little bike, and he doesn't know how to fix it. He doesn't know what the answer is. He doesn't know what it feels like. Because God is competent. He is able. You know, Jesus was so confident about that. The, the angels were so confident about that, that, that they would declare nothing is impossible with God. And can I just take this back to prayer? That as you start these, these two weeks, I think it is, of, of, of prayer and fasting as a church, that this should be your starting place. This is the departure point. You know, our Father, uh, you know, our, our, here He is. We're, we're in this community of people with whom we journey. You know, we lift up our heads, and, and here's Doxadeo down the road, and, and, and it's our Father. It's not just Dr. Deo's father. It's not just Jesus' father. Come on. It's, it's our father. Do you realize that if he had said in that moment, my father, there was a, a slight possibility that I might have felt eternally excluded out of that union. But yet in that moment where he introduces prayer, he says, I want you to know that you're a part of this. It is our Father, it is this family that does that, that that the design of this. It, this is where it comes from. And as you start this week of prayer, as as you pray about things that your that your first vantage point would be. Thank you, Lord, that you are caring. Thank you that you are compassionate. You're not angry. God did not wake up angry this morning or disappointed in you. He is caring and compassionate. Thank you, Father, that you are consistent. I can I can you know I can measure you every single day. In I'll get to the same result. Thank you, Lord, that you are competent. Thank you that the things that we bring to you, we know you are within your means to address this. You know, I... I I, I love I love the portion of scripture in Daniel where uh, Daniel gets taken away from his country to to Babylon with three of his friends and and they go through this time and, and period of scrutiny and eventually they start working for Nebuchadnezzar who who was an evil demonic king I, I wish we had time to talk about that but but at one stage Nebuchadnezzar builds the seventy foot golden statue and he says everybody should bow down before this and 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 so so the three friends you know, here they stood in the crowd and the trumpets blow and, and suddenly everybody bows down and, 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 and the only three remaining standing are these three friends. And, and the king calls them close and he says, listen, if you don't bow, I'm going to give you one more chance. If you, if you don't bow down and, 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 and worship this golden statue, I'm going to fire the furnace seven times hotter. I didn't even know that was possible. But he says, I'm going to, I'm going to make it seven times hotter and you're going to be thrown into this furnace. And the three young men answer him with his words. They say, you know what? God is able to deliver us from you and from the furnace. 
And then they don't say, if he's not able. They say, even if he does not. The worldview remains the same. The worldview remains God is able. <laughs> if he does or if he doesn't, we believe he can. You know, I still believe God can heal the sick, despite the fact that my father passed away from cancer. I still believe that. Because sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he doesn't. I, I don't know that. I, I, I can't, I, I'm not... I'm not God. I can't figure that. But what I do know is he's able. That's why I'll always pray for healing. That is why I will always pray for breakthrough. That is why I will always trust him for more. That is why I will always trust him for that which is the next step. That I'll always trust him that water will turn into solid ground as I step out of the boat. You know, I, I always be, want to be on that side because that is who God is. And this is what I love about Daniel's three friends. They say to him, you know what, we know God is able. And then they say, even if he doesn't, we still believe that. He says, but what we won't do is we won't give you the place to occupy space in our mind. We won't allow that. We will only fill our mind with the fact that God is caring. We will only fill our minds with the fact that God is consistent. We will only fill our minds with knowing that our Father is able. He's competent. We will not allow anything other to, to, to take this. And, and, then, and then Jesus goes, this is our Father who is in heaven. It's as if Jesus says, I want to remind you that you are not just born from your natural origin. There is a higher reality that you have been birthed into. It's, it's a, there is a perspective that God wants you to have when you're praying that is not from the earthly perspective. You know, sometimes we try and explain everything to God. You know, dear God, did you see this situation and, and that, that illness? And, and, and the doctor's report said this and this and this. And God's saying, what? I didn't know that. <laughs> Come on, he knows that. We, we just said, you know, he said, when he started off, he said, God knows this. He said, God doesn't need you to explain your earthly perspective to him. He knows that. He wants you to see from the heavenly perspective. And a lot of people pray about their work. Say, and pray about their work from a place of worry and fear. There's never enough hours in the day. There's never enough man, money in the bank. My boss doesn't like me. I don't like the job. You know, I don't want to go. Lord, will you please help me at work today? a lot of people pray or you could pray from a heavenly perspective so lord thank you our father you know i'm not very fond of this job but i know you have put me there i know that you're in control i know that you have prepared good works in advance for me to do i know that your glory in me bears much fruit. Thank you, Father. I know the plans you have for me, plans to prosper, not to harm, hope for the future. Thank you, Lord. I know that you love me and you make all things work for good. Come on. This is heavenly perspective stuff. You know, too often we're explaining the things that are wrong and God says, I know these things. It's not for my benefit. It's for your benefit that I want you to pray. Our Father who is in heaven. Come on. Our Father who thinks from a different reality, who speaks from a different reality. Thank you, Lord. Let you make and let us receive. This is our Father who is in heaven. I love that little phrase with which he ends off. With. I, I learned this at Methodist Primary School. Okay, Hallowed be your name. I didn't really know what that meant. I love Eugene Peterson's translation of that little phrase. All that he says is, Lord, reveal yourself. Isn't that beautiful? Our Father, our 
father who approaches life from a perspective of throne room realities. Reveal to me, Lord, who you are. What a great place to start your prayer week from. I, you know, I had a sensing as I was, um, you know, I had, I had a sensing that as I was praying for you for this morning and also this week, I have a sense in my heart that God says you need to listen more in this time of prayer than what you ask. I really sense God wants to speak to you as a church and, 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 and to recognize his fathership, you know, he's in control. It's going to be a great place for you to function from. We'd love to go into a time of ministry, just short, Ellen. Um, a band's going to facilitate the time of worship for us. But here's what I want us to do. Can we perhaps have a time of prayer this morning before we leave? And maybe you're new to this. Maybe faith is new to you. Maybe, maybe you've just found Matthew chapter 6 on your Bible app. <laughs> you're just about to read our Father, okay? I don't, I don't know how it figures for you. Maybe you've never prayed even. But can this be an encouragement to you? They, they asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. What a great thing for you to hear then this morning. Our Father who is in heaven. Reveal yourself to me. Maybe those are the simplest words you can pray today. Maybe you're like, you know what? I've prayed over this thing for, you know, five years now or for five months, and, I, and I've not seen breakthrough in this. You know, I've, I, you know this is, I've carried this thing, or perhaps I don't know where you find yourself in this message this morning because I realize it's a message with complexities in our lives. Maybe it's just for you to recenter this moment and just pray this simple line and say, thank you, Father. Our Father, would you reveal yourself to me? And just pray that and just see what God does and says. Can we do that for a few moments? Uh, that, that's my word. Okay. I trust it's blessed you. But I'd love to pray for us uh, before I hand back to Philip and the worship team. We're just going to facilitate this. And before anybody speaks, and what, just while the music's playing, we're just going to have a time of personal prayer, okay, before we head out for the day. So, Father, thank you in this moment. Our Father, not my Father, our Father. Thank you, Lord. You are Father to us all. You are competent Father to us all. You are consistent Father. You are compassionate Father to us all. As, you've, as you recenter yourself in our thinking and in our hearts, I pray that faith will arise. As we heard earlier today, that hope will arise. That hope will be restored. And even in this moment, perhaps, as people's lives before you, Lord, thank you that you know and hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Can I encourage you just where you are that you just have a time of prayer?